Welcome to today's energy podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with the one and only Glenn Woodruff, Senior Account Manager at SolarTech Universal. Glenn, how are you today, my friend? I'm very good, Sean. How are you? You know, I'm doing quite well. I have to say, uh, you kind of have lived in one of my favorite places in the United States. Mm -hmm. You spent quite a bit of time in South Florida. I like Florida because it has a tendency to be sunny, but not super crazy hot like Texas, where I live. So Mm -hmm. tell me how you wound up in South Florida and kind of give me a little bit of your journey in how you got to be part of Solar Tech Universal. Um, Sure. Well, I grew up in the Detroit area, Michigan, and I was in law school. And I had finished up my first year and I came down here on vacation and decided I didn't really want to be a lawyer. So I got a job in the nonprofit sector where my degree was in. And I worked for a local nonprofit down here, uh, helping run, administer their homeless residential program. Um, I met one of the partners for the Solar Tech Universal as it was a startup. And they brought me on to do project management as they built out the factory. All right. So you let's get back just to one thing that you said there. You grew up in Detroit and then you go to South Florida. Did the weather have any sort of um, incentive for you to consider moving to South Florida instead of, you know, going back to Detroit? Well, as you know, winters in the Midwest can be brutal and uh, I'm an avid golfer. Um. Yeah, so I got down here and I enjoyed the lifestyle. Um, I enjoyed the weather. Um, it just suits me down here. Um, I still get back to Michigan on occasion to visit family and and enjoy the aspects of Michigan that are beautiful. Um, but I'm Florida is my home now. You know, and it seems like Florida would be such a natural place for a solar energy company to spring up. It is the sunshine state. Obviously, you have the initial cost of creating mm-hmm. whatever source, whatever system you're going to use to collect that energy. But it seems like the sun's probably not going to run out anytime soon. It To me, it sounds like free energy, even though solar industry is not new, is it? It's been around a while. It has. Um, you know, I think panels that were installed in the 1970s are still producing energy, which gets to your point. There's a capital cost to start a PV project. But once that's paid for, you basically have that resource uh, for decades. You know, we warranty our product for 30 years on performance. So once you get over this capital cost, you do have a free source of energy, uh, almost in perpetuity, right? At least close to a lifetime. Um, You know, some of the things you see is the, the cost has come down within the last five years, almost by a factor of two. So... A residential system in the state of Florida, maybe was $6 a watt five years ago. Now you're seeing it closer to $3 a watt. So as an initial investment, it makes a lot more sense. So as we see an increase in adoption, uh, we see jobs being created. We see advancements in technology, that sort of thing. One of the reasons that there is such a growth in China uh, for the solar energy industry is that the government has just said, this is what we're doing. Yeah. So there are, there are subsidies, there are, there are things that the government has actually taken 
an active interest in helping build that as an energy source. What kind of technologies do you see that probably need to come into effect in order to help further that, not propaganda, but help further show, look, solar is definitely a smart way to go? Um, well, we do see just a general increase in the efficiency of the modules themselves, the cellular efficiency. Now we're working with materials that, at the cellular level, the architecture of the cells with uh, PERC, uh, which basically incorporates an additional layer for internal reflection. Solar Tech Universal, we actually use bifacial cells where you're able to collect energy from both sides of the cell. So as you uh, reach a theoretical limit of efficiency on a cell, you have to find ways to increase energy density in the natural evolution is that is to use the backside of the cell. So one of the things we're going to be doing here at Solar Tech Universal with a second factory is manufacturing uh, bifacial glass-on-glass -glass modules. Um, so you're really looking at increasing energy offsets by increasing energy density. Uh, so increasing the number of applications um, where you can put solar, you have things at the local level in terms of policy to augment national level policy. So like South Miami has a solar ready roof program, which is beautiful. You know, we should start thinking about how do we incorporate solar into urban planning in our city planning. Yeah, it seems like it would be a lot easier to make it actually part of the construction process than try and add it on later. I think so. I mean, if you put a solar system, we talked about the capital cost of a solar system. If you put that into the initial mortgage and expand that out over 30 years, it makes a lot of sense, right, on a low-interest mortgage. So absolutely, you know, we have to think a little bit. You mentioned something interesting that, that you're – um, you you want to increase the energy density in in a cell. Um, that's a very interesting question, Sean. Um, there are two things that are bad for solar: uh, water and heat. Not necessarily that they're bad, but they have a they have a, an effect on longevity and performance. So, for example, we make what they call a black-on-black -black module here, with a black back sheet. We also make a module with a white back sheet. So we see these stories about all these new materials coming out that are blacker than black. When it comes to a solar panel, does the degree of black make a difference in the efficiency of the cell? Uh, I would say, yeah. So as, you know, with a black material, if you've ever walked on a, a black asphalt driveway, it's hotter than... Uh, a gray concrete driveway, right? So as something is black, it heats up, and heat has a negative effect on the performance of a module itself. So like at Solar Tech, we make modules with a black back sheet, and we also make modules with a white back sheet. And what you see is about a 5-watt increase in what they call watt peak, uh, top-end speed, how I like to equate it relative to the uh, to the black. So a 310 watt with a white back sheet would be a 305 with a black, right? Um, it's a trend in the industry, though. You know, the material science is coming along. Um, are you familiar with heterojunction cell technology? Uh, no, but I'm about to be, I bet. <laughs> well, solar tech, we, one of our lines is we, we try to utilize heterojunction cells. It's basically, uh, you have mono, you have 
polycrystalline cells, you have monocrystalline cells, you have monopert, and then you also have heterojunction cells. And basically, it's a crystalline silicone cell, monocrystalline, but it's layered with amorphous silicone. So you're able to collect different wavelengths of light, a better low light performance. So you have the, the best attributes of a thin film with the best attributes of a monocrystalline. So you see these uh, um, embracing of different types of technology that hopefully yield uh, increased performance, right? And there's a lot of that sort of thing going on in our industry. Um, but in terms of the black, I think a trend in terms of especially residential applications for aesthetics, you know, you see an increased adoption of that on the module level. You know, for commercial applications, it makes more sense to use a white back sheet and a silver frame, that sort of thing. There's a, another part of of the solar energy collection process, and it goes back to what you said about black asphalt and the heat. You have to deal with that, I would imagine, as a mm -hmm. as a concern because you can't have a solar cell getting too hot. You have to find a way to dissipate that heat. And I don't know, maybe somewhere in the future, we figure out a way to capture that heat and turn that, you know, repurpose that. But mm -hmm. how that's got to be a very, very delicate balance between I want to absorb all the sunlight that I can, but I got to make yeah. sure that my cells don't get too hot. How do you handle something like that? Oh, there's a couple of different, different approaches. You know, when they actually mount a system, if you have a ground mount, you have wind blowing behind it. You know, they don't put it exactly up to the roof. They have a little bit of space, so they get some wind underneath the panels. You mentioned the uh, the application over the lake in China. Well, there's actually one of those up in Orlando as well, uh, where you get really nice uh, wind effects. So you're cooling off the panels that way. Um, at SolarTech, we actually are uh, innovating with uh, the cell interconnection. So how do you get energy from one cell to the other cell to the other cell? Uh, up the string to the junction box. So on traditional solar panels, uh, they have bus bars. So you'll see three, four, or five bus bars. Uh, when an electron, when the sunlight hits that cell, an electron gets excited and it comes to the surface, it runs down a horizontal um, highway called a finger. And then it's carried off on the bus bar. Well, there's a travel distance there. So some of those electrons due to the travel distance are going to fall back into the cell. And when they do, they have to become something. Energy can't be created or destroyed. They undergo recombination. They become heat. So at SolarTech, what we've done is uh, we use a technology called smart wire. And in our industry, they call it a, basically a multi-wire, where the wire runs over and under the cell. Uh, but we have 18 wires instead of five bus bars or four bus bars. So we're reducing that travel distance. That energy has to run down the finger to get on the wire, right? So hopefully we're reducing recombination. We're reducing temperature on that cell. Uh, it also reduces resistivity. Um, so you have innovations like that, which are also important. So absolutely, you know, you want to make the module perform as best as possible. So you have top end speed, but what's the mile per gallon? What's the actual kilowatt hours produced by the device? We talked about the fact that the sun is pretty much a constant as far as all of our lifespans are concerned. It seems to me that it would be very important to be as efficient as possible in collecting it and storing it. Like how efficient really are we? How much energy do you lose in the transference of that from solar into electricity? 
This is an interesting question, and I think is just not just the solar industry, but the renewable industry as a whole. You know, I think the solutions of the future going forward are going to be more of a gestalt. They're going to take a variety of approaches. Uh, you're going to have some system loss. You have loss of energy down a string, right? Uh, loss of energy at the inverters. So you decrease efficiency. Um, you're accessing a resource, but there are other resources as well that we that we look at. So you look at how do I decrease my consumption? And, you know, that's a one avenue of a, an approach. Um, how do I utilize um, the wind, right? How do I utilize the heat energy? Um, different approaches like that. How do I take this energy and the energy that I'm not using, how do I store it appropriately so I can access it at a, at a later time when I don't have access to those resources that can provide energy? I don't have wind. I don't have solar. Um, so I think as we evolve, you know, PV as an industry, renewables uh, more as a gestalt, you know, we're going to look at ways to augment um, and attack inefficiencies to create efficiencies, right? So it's hard to say, like, there's a theoretical limit to cellular efficiency, like I mentioned before, and we're starting to approach that. So you have to evolve and you have to say, how do I increase the amount of efficiency I can get? How do I increase the energy I can collect from that? All right. So think back on all the cars that you've owned. Can you pick one of the cars that you've had in your life that you would be willing to let them shoot into space just so it would be gone forever? <laughs> oh, my first car was a lime green uh, K car wagon that you would have to basically turn the wheel about 720 before it would go left or right. Um, yeah, I think that would be the car. That would, that would be a sight. You would be happy to see that lime green car just floating off towards Mars. Oh, yeah. See you later. <laughs> well, if I run into Elon Musk anytime soon, I will, I will put him on that project. Today, I've been speaking to Glenn Woodruff, Senior Account Manager for Solar Tech Universal. Glenn, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really have appreciated it. I appreciate you. Thank you. I look forward to having a chance to talk to you again down the road. Me as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.